Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hello friends, hope you're having a great day wherever you are, whether that's in Houston, Johannesburg or Manchester. And if you're a new listener, I want to give you a special warm welcome to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in, I really appreciate it. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Joyce from the blog Financial Impulse. I met Joyce through the FinCon community, and I also met her last September in Washington, D.C. at the conference. Joyce writes about a wide array of topics on her blog. Uh, topics vary from picking good companies to invest in, to career advice, debt, emergency fund, even cheap data IDs, etc. And next to those articles, she has also developed two interesting series of articles, Is It Worth It? and from freelance to full-time, which I enjoyed reading myself as well. What I did not immediately know about Joyce is that she's a full-time digital marketer who specializes in SEO. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. In layman terms, <laughs> and this is kind of a definition I made up, SEO is the process behind increasing the quality and the quantity of traffic to a website. For example, her blog Financial Impulse or my blog johnnytalks.com and uh, trying to get it ranked as high as possible in Google. We will discuss how she combines her professional career and passion project, the blog, combining on the one hand digital marketing with a focus on SEO and personal finance on the other hand with her blog. In the first part of the episode, she will provide some practical SEO tips, which will be helpful for any type of content creator, bloggers, podcasters, YouTubers, or people like me that uh, just suck at SEO. <laughs> And uh, in the second part, we will dive deeper into the personal finance part. This episode is for you if you want to start a blog or podcast YouTube channel and wonder about how to be easily searchable in Google. And as well, it is for you if you're looking at broadening your perspectives on personal finance. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Joyce. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm fantastic. Nice to speak to you after not seeing you for uh, three months uh, since we met at FinCon. So I hope you're doing well and it's a pleasure to talk to you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad we could finally get this set up since, uh, you know, it's been a little hectic trying to get it scheduled. No worries. No worries. It happens. We're busy people and we're not on the same time zone. So you are calling from Houston, right? Yes, that's right. I'm in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing in Houston? So I'm actually a full-time digital marketer. Mm -hmm. uh, I do content writing and SEO, but I actually work remotely. So my company is originally based in Taiwan. We have a few uh, smaller branches. And so I have um, uh, coworkers all over the U.S., uh, Seattle and uh San Francisco and in Taiwan still, is, uh, of course. Okay, that um, that's interesting, and it's uh, great that you can uh, do it remotely from uh, Taiwan. I mean, from uh, Houston to for a company in Taiwan. That's uh, that's nice, and we will touch upon SEO a bit later on. But uh, my how I discovered you is through uh, your website, Financial Impulse, and okay, I met you in person, but the the key interest. First was Financial Impulse. Can you tell us a little bit about this blog? Sure. So Financial Impulse is basically all about personal finance content that I've always been curious or had questions about. 
And it's kind of funny because as a digital marketer, uh, working in SEO is really what made me want to start Financial Impulse besides my interest in personal finance itself. Doing this kind of SEO work, I knew I wanted to continue learning and growing in it. And for me, there was no better way to do that than by starting my own site and experimenting with SEO myself. Uh, I've been reading personal finance content online for a couple of years now. I was first introduced to it through an old roommate, uh, and he told me about that personal finance subreddit, and I just loved it. That's how I discovered all these blogs um, and also famous authors like Ramit Sethi. Anyways, working in SEO kind of made me want to, you know, toss my hat into the ring and start my own website, which is Financial Impulse. Very good. Actually, it's great because actually you're a working as a professional with the digital marketing and SEO, but you're experiencing it yourself. So it really gives you an edge, I think, in your career, don't you think? Yeah, I like to think of it as a professional side project. Um, you know, really, it's a passion project because mm -hmm. it's touching on my, my interest in both SEO and personal finance. Okay. Is there um, one of those passion that ups up the other that you that you you see yourself going more towards to in the future like do you want to dive more into seo or more into personal finance oh i would absolutely love to dive into both um and probably <laughs> digital mar digital marketing a little more only because mm -hmm. um you know i love personal finance and i appreciate the work done by financial planners and advisors but i i myself couldn't foresee becoming uh, an advisor, you know. Um, however, I would want to continue doing marketing work, you know. And, and you know, on, on the topic of personal finance, I don't consider myself an expert. I find myself, uh, or I call myself a, a work in progress. I'm still learning more and more about it every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what, what I wanted to ask you a bit, because you started your blog, yeah, just over a year ago. And I was wondering about your experience. So how has it been so far and what kind of strategies or basic strategies of SEO are you using uh, to help, uh, yeah, to help uh, financial impulse? Sure. Yeah. It's been really great tracking the progress. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm a little uh, crazy about it. I have a spreadsheet where I look at the month to month traffic. Uh, all of this data is from Google Analytics, but I like to look at that growth. And it's really encouraging, you know, to see what's working, uh, like what months have seen bigger jumps. And sorry, you were asking about strategies, right? Basic ones to share. Yeah, just basic ones. I mean, for uh, because probably there are people listening and they are interested in starting a blog or a website. And maybe if they have some key basics of SEO and myself, as I told you, I suck at SEO. So if you have a few basics that could uh, help both the listeners and myself, yeah, I think that will be helpful for me to get more uh, viewers and listeners and uh, yeah, for the audience to, to also help them develop and uh, start on the right foot. Yeah, awesome. So first of all, I would, you know, encourage readers who are interested in blogging or who have already started blogging to really think about their mission um, because there are are a few different types of blogger. For example, there's someone who's blogging privately 
it doesn't have to be anonymous, but they're blogging for themselves or for their their friends and their family. And they don't mean for it necessarily to become public or or get a lot of traffic. And then there's a the other kind of blogger, which I think is a lot more common. And it's people who want to blog to make an income. You know, they want to share their work. Um, and there's nothing wrong about either either route, you know. I would say that I identify personally as as the the second kind, someone who does want to write so that other people can read it. And that's the whole point of SEO. So if you're, um, you know, the first type of blogger, you don't really care about strangers reading your stuff, then you honestly don't need to worry about SEO, right? If it's for yourself, your blog is just for you, then search engine optimization should not be a concern. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you do want strangers, if you if you do want organic traffic to come across your website, uh, I would really advise you to identify good keyword targets to create your content around. I've met a few bloggers, and I, I spoke with a few who talked about SEO and described you know writing their content first, and then plugging in what they thought were relevant keywords after the fact. Uh, when really it should be bloggers should really focus first on a keyword and create content based on it rather than the backwards strategy of writing something and then plugging in what they think are relevant keywords. I have a question, uh, Joyce. So those keywords, where should I put them in my title and my text at the end? Should I make a tag like, for example, in WordPress or how do you see that? For example, let's say I want to write about five ways to save money easily. So in SEO, there's a distinction between short tail and long tail keywords. Uh, What the difference is, is that long tail keywords uh, tend to be longer phrases. Uh, They're not determined by their their length, but really the volume, the the search volume that goes into each keyword. Uh, For example, you'd probably have a more, more readers searching for a keyword phrase like save money versus versus someone searching for a phrase like save money by by credit cards or, or something more specific, you know? So it's often a better bet for you to target that longer tail keyword because it'll be less competitive you know, something more specific. For example, if you search something like how to save money into Google, you'll find that there are millions, millions of results. Um, But a more specific phrase will probably be, you know, a couple hundred thousand results. Mm -hmm. Okay. And any other kind of basic tips uh, of SEO for SEO uh, results? Yeah. Yeah. So you asked about how frequently you should insert your keywords or where you should include them. And, you know, something that's really important to know is that Google does not like keyword stuffing. This is what's called a black hat SEO tactic. And and what Google really prioritizes instead is that you use keywords naturally. Mm -hmm. That's within your content and within your title. So you don't want, you know, save money, save money, save money over and over again in your content or your title. Um, Instead, you'd want to use, right, a more natural sounding 
title like how to save money with these X tips. Yeah. X hacks. And that said, right, you just got to use keywords very, uh, very naturally incorporate them into your content organically. And also another spot is in your page URL, right? So for example, financial impulse slash save hyphen money. So I would recommend to readers to incorporate your target keyword phrase into the page URL, the page title, and your content. But all of this should be very natural. You know, you don't want to stuff it or else Google will uh, find your content to be very spammy and and they won't want to rank that highly at all. Okay. And um, I have a question for C for someone, not CEO, SEO. What about links? I mean, can I just post anything or uh, should I have a lot of links to outbound? For example, if I write an article about the saving tip, should I have links to, for example, financial impulse that have also um, an article about five saving tips or should I link to bigger guys like Forbes or CNBC or uh, I don't know, the Telegraph uh, in Europe? Does it have an influence on my SEO? So outbound links to authority, authoritative sources are definitely the way to go. Um, that said, you know, Google wants to look at your anchor text as well as where the link is going. If you put anchor text that is irrelevant, you know, that doesn't match that page that it links to, that's going to look fishy, right? And, and that's what uh, spammy websites typically do when they want users to click something they're misleading users, right? So, so you mean that, for example, if I put, I don't know what, uh, gardening, I write gardening tools, <laughs> but my um, link points to, to a shop that sells mobile phones, this is like a, a red flag for Google. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And this would be uh, considered black hat SEO, just because it's not, it's a deceptive practice. This is not honest or accurate linking. But as far as the link quality goes, you definitely should be linking to your good references, you know, high authority quality sites that have expertise. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. And so how, for example, in your blog, what has been your journey with regards to SEO? I mean, obviously, you're doing this as a full time job. But how has your experience been for the blog? So it's really early on in my blogging mm -hmm. journey so far, I'm, I'm a little more than a year in, uh, but it's been a wonderful, really gratifying experience. Um, so I've seen the organic traffic grow from just three users a month to over a thousand, you know, and this is not, not anything incredible, right? When you read about big SEO experts like Neil Patel and Brian Dean, but for a side project, I'm very pleased. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, what were there some errors that you were making in the beginning that uh, I think you started in December last year? Were there errors in the um, that you made and that you say, oh, come on, why did I do this? Or, uh, yeah, or that you learn from yourself by doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if I could start again, maybe one thing I would, what I would do differently is, you know, create a backlog of maybe four or five posts and then 
start the site instead of what I actually did, which was start the site, you know, publish one post, write another, and then publish that. And so the reason behind this, why it would have been better to just uh, create a site and it already have four posts or five instead of just one, is that this would be better for getting users to stay on the page and on the website. Because hypothetically, as I think back on it now, if a user were to land on a website and it has only one page, you know, they probably don't have much incentive to stay on it. And they would just click away. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. So it would be better to, you know, for anyone starting out to kind of make uh, a whole a whole string of posts. You know, you don't need 20, but just enough, uh, a few so that when a user stumbles onto your website, mm -hmm. they'll have more reason to stay, you know, by looking at the related posts. Yeah. And actually it's the same tip with my uh, podcast, for example, because when I released it early in October last year, I had four episodes. So it was a tip from others that I get as well. So it applies to podcasts and blogs actually. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Right. You get more people lingering and they want to check out all the other episodes. huh? Yeah, correct. And, uh, Joyce, about your website, I've been, uh, of course, reading uh, reading a few posts and I found it quite interesting. I really like it. It's quite diverse. There's a few, you touch really upon several topics. There's one on uh, how to pick uh, a company to invest in. There's your two series. Is it worth it? Freelance to full-time. So, And I think there's some on career advice, etc. So it's quite broad, a bit like mine, actually. I, I like to touch upon several topics. What is the mission with your blog, actually? Do you have a, a unique point of view or how do you, are you still finding out, which is fine as well? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think I'm still really finding my own point of view in personal finance, but it's also funny uh, trying out all these different topics to go after. And this is very much part of my SEO research and experimenting, you know, like which topics is it easier to rank for? You know, which topics are less competitive? And and touching upon all of these different subjects that are all, you know, loosely or even closely connected through money and career, you know? And it's a bit what I do. So I don't know uh, because I touch upon, you know, investing. I talk about lifestyle. I, I have a few, uh, I've had a few fire people on the on the podcast so it's it's all linked to money and lifestyle how to use it uh, and it goes a bit beyond just budgeting and uh, stock picking so it, it goes broader than that but sometimes i go a bit more technical on the money so it really depends and but i like it like this i mean for me it makes it fun and it's a it gives a lot of different traffic i would say but it's not niche i, I'm, I have to say that so i don't know if if i'm if I'm having a right strategy here or not. <laughs> so maybe you can tell me about your findings on having a range of topics. Sure. So I, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with going after a broader array. And I also don't think there's anything wrong with going after niche topics. The only thing about a, a focusing on a niche topic is that maybe you're going to find yourself really bound to it. And if you don't have that fire, that passion to sustain blogging about that one topic, it's really going to die out fast. You know, there's only so much you can write about something that you're not really into, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I write uh, all the saving tips uh, for living in Houston, you know, at some point, uh, 
I guess, uh, even though there's a lot of uh, commerces and shops and uh, whatnot and uh, public services or whatever, at some point it dies out indeed. Yeah, it's a bit too niche maybe. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing about having a broader topic, well, you can just always keep going further in on all these separate subjects, you know, and depending on how big you want your site to grow, it's just possible that you can create uh, all that content later on. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think of big websites like um, Student Loan Hero and NerdWallet, you know, and, and they are they are niche to an extent, right? They're about personal finance, but they can also be quite broad themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They cover a range of topics and, you know, it being just a little more than one year in on financial impulse, I, I would love for my site to grow to that level eventually, you know, mm -hmm. and that's really bold and ambitious. Uh, but for now, I don't mind creating a, content on a range of different topics. It also means that I can not only experiment, but see what I like writing about, you know, and then go from there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And it's a bit the same journey I have. And it's still, it's still a bit like this for now. So um, yeah, we'll see um, in, the, in the long run how it shows and if I will narrow down or not. But I, I like it not like this because uh, it uh, gives me as well the opportunity to have several type of guests on the podcast and from US, from Europe, etc. I try to blend it in, try to make it interesting. And as well, I'm interested in all those things. So I'm getting excited as well each time I get a new, a new guest or um, that I hear a new perspective. So it's, uh, it's always great. And also it's good for the listeners and then they can pick and choose whatever they prefer. And Joyce... On your uh, website, and Financial Impulse, uh, you just launched uh, two series that I really liked. Is it worth it? And free, freelance to full-time. So maybe let's uh, talk about the Is it worth it series. I really liked it. Uh, for example, you had various articles. And for example, you made one on FinCon. And you also have one on LASIK. Can you tell us a little bit about those two uh, topics? Sure. And, and so also I'll talk about the series as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I started this series um, because I had all these questions about high cost products and experiences. You know, in general, I was always wondering if they were worth their price. And I always wanted to get others to weigh in on these topics before I could actually, you know, make a buying decision. Um, and, you know, these topics have included not just LASIK, but also coding boot camps and college. Um, and, you know, these are these are all things that I have wondered about myself. So, for example, LASIK. What, what is LASIK, um, Joyce? LASIK is uh, a type of laser eye surgery. Mm -hmm. So people who are, you know, who people who don't have perfect vision will get LASIK so that they don't have to wear contacts or glasses. And I actually got LASIK myself. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I started wearing glasses, I think, when I was nine, you know, just back in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, had been wearing them and then contacts later on in, in high school for quite a while. And I'd always been curious about LASIK. But, you know, as with many other health procedures, uh, you got to wonder, is that safe? 
and then you know what are the ramifications and like will i be blind especially something that is touching your eyes right like a laser that sounds scary yeah absolutely so I did some research and spoke to a, a variety of other people who had also gotten LASIK, you know, and found that ultimately it's worth it. You know, the technology has really improved over time. And if you just compare the cost of wearing glasses or contacts over your lifetime, LASIK is a much better investment, you know, so long as you're okay with uh, getting that procedure, which I'm sure a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Yeah, and is it an operation that takes, for example, 15 minutes? It's funny. It actually took five minutes per eye for yeah. me. Wow, five minutes. Yeah, I heard something similar. So, yeah, it's very quick. And uh, what, what is the cost of such an operation in, in the U.S.? Or if you did it somewhere else? Oh, good question. So it really varies around the world. And I actually got my procedure done overseas in Taiwan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, this cost me just around 3000 total or just under it, uh, USD. Uh, but in the US, if you were to get it, the price in, in 2017, this is the latest data I could find, it would be about $2,000 per eye. So you would really be spending over 4000 for this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think in Europe, it's, um, I mean, at least in Luxembourg, I think it was around uh, 3000 euros. I, I have this figure in my head from other friends, but okay, this is a conversation I had uh, with them, I don't know, one year ago. So I don't know if it's per eye or for the two. So just maybe it's maximum 6000 minimum uh, 3000 euros for both eyes. Right. And I've, I've heard, you know, it really could go as much as um, anywhere from four, 4,000 to 6,000 USD for both eyes. It's, it's amazing how much it varies around the world. Yeah, I know. And um, what about FinCon? Is it worth it, uh, Joyce? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I had just gone to my FinCon for the first time. Um, but leading up to it, I always wondered, is this conference worth it like what what would make this worth going to it has kind of a high uh, admission price not to mention if you're not locally based you also have to factor in the cost of transportation like flying or driving to the location and also housing right yeah, correct um and and ultimately i think fincon is what you make of it you can say that about so many different experiences but for example if you went to fincon and you didn't talk to anyone, you know, and you, you really didn't interact with the booths. If you didn't, if you went to one or two sessions, this probably wouldn't be worth it for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it, the, it is a conference after all. So it might as well have just been uh, a trip to another city. However, you know, it is what you put in. So if you really work hard at, at networking, talking to different brands uh, there and going to different sessions, you can get a lot out of it, you know? Um, and I also know that not, not every attendee even goes to the sessions. Some people just uh, focus on the, the social events, um, which is also not, not bad at all. That's a way to get your money's worth. Um, because otherwise, outside of FinCon, you don't have as much of an opportunity to interact with so many different personal finance bloggers and content creators. 
Yeah, you're right. And uh, I mean, for me, it was great because, okay, I flew to uh, to US. So for me, it was a big trip. But uh, yeah, it was the chance to meet uh, many people in four days. And uh, yeah, so for me, it was more even more unique than you. Because yeah, it was a chance. It was like, uh, yeah, let's meet in person and um, and shake hands and make contact. So yeah, it was absolutely great. So for me, even though it was even more expensive than you, with the flights and everything, yeah, it was totally worth it. But okay, and uh, and as you say, it's what you make out of it. I mean, if I went there and talked to two persons and uh, I didn't even talk to sponsors or um, to attend the booth, yeah, okay, then why do I why do I need to go there? You know, it's uh, yeah. You need to go with a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great, great. And Joyce, yeah, I also saw that you launched on your website, uh, as we mentioned, the Freelance to Full-Time uh, series. And I saw that you uh, also interviewed uh, Ryan, uh, which also uh, published a guest post on uh, on the blog, on the Journey Talks. So how was, how, is your, how was that experience? Do you also do a Skype interview or do you do that by email? How do you go on about it? Yeah, so Freelance to Full-Time is my newest series on my blog, and Mm -hmm. it's just an email interview series. Um, It's funny, the inspiration behind this was a book I read called Designing Your Life, um, which says that you should prototype different lives that you're, you know, potentially interested in by speaking to others who are doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, I, I do freelance work and have always wondered what is it like to, you know, be a full-time freelancer. And really, there are so many ways you can, you can do freelancing full-time, right? All kinds of work. Um, so it's been really fun talking to all these different uh, creators, a lot of creatives. Like you mentioned, Ryan Ryan Scribner is a personal finance YouTuber, right? And and he's just gotten so big uh, in a short amount of time, but he's not the only one, right? There are so many other different kinds of creators. Um, I spoke to a, an illustrator, and right now I'm working on um, putting together interviews for uh, others who have, have gone full time with their freelancing work in, you know, SEO or design work and even copywriting. Mm-hmm. Is that something you would consider yourself, uh, Joyce, to go full time? Yeah, I've actually always been curious about um, not even just freelancing full time, but being my own boss. You know, yeah. I love mm-hmm. that flexibility. Um, so it's something I'm interested in deeply. And freelance to full time is a way for me to learn about the possibilities of working for yourself, what that's like, you know, instead of just diving right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. So you you experiment a bit, you see how, how you how it goes for you if it's uh, i think Ryan mentioned something like yeah, if it's there's a proof a proof of concept mm-hmm. and then if it's not you know if it's not working then at least you can you know it you tried it risk free and then you can switch your approach or change change totally business or industry so that's a great way to to start indeed yeah and it's so nice hearing from the experts or people who have actually gone out and done it first no, great. And um, yeah, Joyce, any other things you want to say about the website or any or anything else we should know? So I don't consider myself a personal finance expert in any way, uh, but I do have a solid understanding of the basics. And I'm always eager to keep learning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to mislead readers or give poor advice. So when it comes to writing for financial impulse, I really value data and research. Um, because of this, I also am very active about getting quotes from certified financial professionals. Yeah. Okay. I, I, um, I like that approach. And Joyce, um, for the readers, uh, okay, you gave some practical SEO tips and for myself as well. Uh, what about personal finance tips? Do you have any, do you have two or three tips that you want to tell to the audience? Yeah. One big tip. Um, and it's funny because it's not even just for personal finance. It is, um, that you don't always have to do what everyone else is doing. <laughs> that sounds vague, so let me explain. But uh, when when I was just done with college and had to pay back my student loans, um, instead of buying a car to get around in Houston, which you know unfortunately doesn't have great public transit, uh, I bought uh, a motorized kind of scooter, you know, mm-hmm. um, and basically, uh, like a Vespa, it's actually technically a motorcycle, um, but 150 CC, not a big Harley <laughs> by any means. Um, but I use this as my way of getting around. And this cost me just a little more than a thousand filling up gas was so cheap, you know? Um, and the, the thing is why you shouldn't care what others are doing. Uh, I feel like in this position, I could have gone right out and and bought a car and be in even more debt you know mm-hmm. uh, but instead going this other route not caring what it looked like to others i was driving this unusual vehicle uh, it really saved me so much money and helped me pay off my loans way more aggressively and you know you can apply this in so many different ways for example Instead of instead of renting, you know, one of the best, most expensive apartments in, in a very uh, hip part of town, mm-hmm. you know, live somewhere further away in the suburbs, you know, or even consider moving back home. It's okay if you're the only one who's doing it in your friend group, you know. You don't always have to live according to what society says is normal, what your peer group says is normal. It's okay to deviate. Absolutely. I uh, totally agree with that. I mean... Yeah, you don't need to follow the herd. Yes, exactly. I like that that analogy. That's funny. Okay, that's excellent. Uh, very good tips. And uh, Joyce, so thank you so much for sharing your SEO tips and sharing some insights on um, on your uh, on financial impulse your website. And before we head off, I always have three quick fire questions I ask every guest. So number one, Joyce. What has been your best investment so far? My best investment so far has been in my own health. And that's by, you know, eating fruit and vegetables, reducing the amount of sugar intake, and getting regular exercise and sleep. Okay, that's excellent. And it doesn't cost a thing. That's right. And one of the best (laughs) ways to reduce future healthcare costs in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very long-term approach. And yeah, excellent. I, I like that as well. And um, Joyce, what is your favorite book? And it does not need to be financial. I really love the book Give and Take by Adam Grant. So this book uh, really emphasizes the importance of interactions and relationships um, and, and just how achieving success doesn't 
necessarily come from being ruthless towards others. You know, mm -hmm. you can get a lot from being altruistic. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like uh, how to win friends and influence people. I mean, the title is a bit misleading. I mean, the influence thing. But it's actually, yeah, being gentle, listening to others, trying to understand, etc. So uh, I haven't read your book, but uh, yeah, probably put it on my list again as well. <laughs> okay, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, great, great, great. Excellent. And Joyce, the third and last question. What is the best purchase you have made for under $100? So this one is going to come a little bit out of left field, but um, last year I bought a Wacom graphics tablet for about $50. It was off of Amazon Prime as a part of Prime Day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is random, but you know I've always loved art. And as a kid, I even said I wanted to be an artist when I grew up. That didn't happen. But... You know, I realized as an adult, oh, wow, you know, I have the means to pursue this interest, this hobby on my own. And and now now that I have this tablet, you know, it's really become an amazing source of therapy where after a work day or just whenever I have free time, if I want to doodle or draw something, I'll do mm -hmm. that. Okay, so it's a tablet you connect to your PC or is it just a tablet on its own? Oh, that's right. It's a tablet connected to the PC. Yeah, okay, With so you, you, you draw on it and then it appears on your screen and then, okay, then you let your creativity flow. Yes, that's right. Okay, excellent, excellent. Looking forward to uh, to see any uh, art pieces that you will create, uh, Joyce. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Very good. Thank you again so much for sharing your tips and, uh, and your stories on your blog. Uh, Joyce, how can the listeners find you, actually? So li listeners can follow me on Finance Impulse on Twitter or mm -hmm. just by going to www.financialimpulse.com. Okay, excellent. And I'm sure many will come and read your wide array of topics. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure as well to reconnect with you. So Joyce, we'll stay in touch and um, I wish you a pleasant day further. Awesome. Thank you. And to you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. As a content creator, I certainly did. And here are my key takeaways. So the first one is that if you're already passionate about your full-time job, why not look at a side project slash passion project, as Joyce calls it, that you could develop on your own. This can be a great way to give you an edge in your career, test the waters, develop skills, and potentially go from a part-time project to a full-time one. Next, here are some uh, SEO tips I jotted down during the interview. Number one, create good content around solid keywords. Don't do it the other way around where you start writing something and try to stuff your article with the, the keywords. Second point, do not overstuff your article with the keywords. This will look weird or fishy to Google. Try to use them naturally in your text, in your, um, in your header, etc. The third important point on SEO is to use long-tail keywords, to be more specific. If you want to know more about long-tail keywords, I've linked to an article written by Neil Patel in the show notes. Number four, when using links, always link to high-quality websites or authoritative sources. And last but not least, on the topic of SEO, if you're about to start up your blog, your website, even podcast, as I mentioned, try to have a few posts ready if it's a blog, or try to have a few episodes if it's a podcast. And now moving on to personal finance, I really liked Joyce's personal finance tip. 
Do not follow the herd, make your own choices, and do not be afraid to deviate from what everybody else is doing. You don't have to live in the city center, live further away, maybe that's a better financial solution for you. Drive a scooter instead of a car. <laughs> you know, you don't have to follow what, what, what everybody else is doing. And here comes my last key takeaway for today. Go and read Joyce's blog. It's full of useful and fun stuff. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.